So, this was a special episode. It really was. It really, really was. was. For many reasons. Um, many. Many reasons. But uh, the biggest reason is that we had a friend of mine, uh, Dave Roberts, on the podcast, who is a feature film director. Ooh. Ooh. Big, big, big news for the short film podcast. Yeah, big. We're going into the big, the big leagues. Yeah, this is our official step, step. Official step into the big leagues. Indeed. indeed. Seven episodes in. I know. Gosh. And here we look where we are now. Yeah. It's been a journey. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so he's got uh, a new film coming out called Older Gods, which is a Lovecraftian horror film set in the Welsh countryside and it is starring yours truly. Yian the Coons. <laughs> Yian is in Dave's film. Yes. Feature film. Yes. So it's very exciting. Well, I got, yeah, I got a supporting role in it. So it's just finishing up the editing process and it's on, about to go on the festival circuit. And there yeah. will be a premiere as well soon. I, I Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. And then, um, yeah, no, Will's, I mean, Dave's always been great. Like, you know, whenever I had questions about filmmaking process and I thought that he'd be a really good person to have on the podcast and I was right. Um, yeah, he was fascinating, actually. Yeah. Um, we talk about well how he how he funded his feature films, his journey from university all the way into making this first feature of his, mm-hmm. uh, and then his process working with DOPs and working with actors, storyboarding. Yeah. Also, the funding, how he like really delved deep into that actually. Yeah, um, really, really good advice. And solid like practical advice as well no like waffly stuff that you hear all the exactly. time exactly yeah really really good um, so yeah super pleased with this um, this yeah. one uh, yeah this was also plagued by technical difficulties this episode unfortunately yes um, many you... many it was, we were lucky that Dave was a good good sport <laughs> yeah. and um, didn't complain he just kept going because we, we were all on Zoom because Dave's up in Liverpool isn't he yeah um, and then I'm in London and Yarn's not in London so we we're, all, we're all over the country trying yeah. to get this sorted and uh, so yeah bear with us on this one yeah um, I mean it's still it's, it works fine it's just there was a power cut on my end so I didn't <laughs> I like strangely disappear at one point and apparently Will doesn't properly acknowledge it so it's really weird I'm just like it was a, a bit ghost. chaotic it was a bit chaotic <laughs> but um, the content is it's, where it's, it's at. It's, it's the best. I think it's the best content that we've um, put out yet onto the podcast. Whoa! High five! I think, I think it is. I think it is. I think it is. Nice. Yeah. So okay. if we set a high bar, um, and this is actually something that we're going to be doing on a lot of future podcasts, we're inviting guests on. So we've got a few yeah. guests coming up. Um, yeah, because it's been a while since we've, we've done on. anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is, this is going to be the the next. The next phase stage. of our podcasting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. so I hope you enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. Uh, okay, all right. Dave, such a pleasure to have you on uh, Short Films Big Questions. No problem. How are you doing, guys? Good yeah, guys. really good. Um, good yeah, Glad to be here. I'm really excited to ask you so, these questions. I mean, we both are. are we, we, there's no way we're going to get through everything we want to know. Will and I were talking about this for like... 45 minutes beforehand and we were like we, we need to try and narrow this down because there's too many too many questions that we both we both want to ask you so we'll just try and keep it as streamlined as possible but um for a start we thought we'd maybe talk a little bit about um the production company so i know you guys your production company have been together since uni basically um mm-hmm. and that's that's a long time so that's like um nearly 20 years and we wanted to know a bit about that like how your story coming to, you know like and how you've been able to stay together that long yeah so can you talk a bit about that journey basically okay okay so uh so it was about 15 years ago something like that we started well i started personally myself as a freelance editor straight out of uni i got a few jobs uh here and there um mainly in london even though i was uh i'm from north wales myself so um but it got to a point where um, living as a freelancer can be a nightmare. You know, like an actor would know exactly the same thing when you're kind of job to job, couple of, doing a couple of jobs while you're going job to job type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to round up a couple of freelancers to see if we can essentially start a production company. You know, somebody who can, you know, uh, Sean, who can, who's, who was a freelance cameraman at a time. You got um, Keith, who's a freelance photographer. Scott was a freelance. And then just to, just to d- dive in there, Dave. And the reason for that is because was to get more did you feel like you get more consistent work as a production company Is yeah i reason? think uh safety in numbers so it's just uh, 
the, the good, well, most freelancers and all that don't really, is you do have to act like a business, even though you might yeah. say you're an artist and everything, you've still got to act like a business. And the more of you are, the more you can delegate decisions. And the, in all honesty, what it was, I would get some freelance jobs and some people would ask me, or oh, do you also know a camera person? And do you also know a such and such? And if I said no, they would run and go find elsewhere. So if I said yes, they, I could maybe get paid a little extra and give my mate a job who's very good at what he does too. Um, not just because he's my mate, but because he's good. Um, but what it came to, so then when we started the company, we had a couple of clients and we were only going to, we were starting off just doing commercials because we realized that uh, that's the way to get regular work, you know? Because, you know, you get into the point where you start thinking of your future and a couple of guys wanted a family and things like that. And being a freelancer is a bit tricky for that. So, but it was still a bit of a slog. It's kind of, we were still, when we started off freelancing, well, we weren't freelance better because every money we did, but we were doing other jobs as well, just for the first years to, you know, don't spend all the money that we're bringing in. Um, so it was real tough when all of our mates were making big money, we weren't. But the good thing about it was that we did it slowly the right way. So 15 years later, that was the other thing is, the whole plan was to do commercials for about six months and then oh, then we'll do films, we'll do massive ones, we'll do franchises. But it's, you know, real life tells you that this is the most sensible way of doing it. So 15 years later, um, the difference is we now have a full production company that can make feature films. So we've got um, 17 staff, full-time staff in a production company. Um, each of those directors that we start with, those guys I studied are now directors of the company. They're also producers. So we have department heads. You know, we have a cinematographer, a production designer, a post-production. We have all post-production in-house um, everything um and because we're not based in london we're actually based in liverpool our prices were a bit cheaper but then so a lot of people we nick a lot of london production companies jobs um so but then as we kind of we slowly got there so when it got to the point where we have a team who can take over this commercial stuff which we're not particularly passionate about anymore the whole point of this was to make films so we've gone a long-winded way about it but now Literally, the only part we need is um, a little bit of funding because we can take about half the funding from it um, to just put in, plus actors. And, you know, so every, everything else we can kind of cover. The only thing we don't do in-house is sound. That's when we do hire in, um, you know, sound recorders, com uh, composers, the music, and sand sound designers. But everything else is pretty much taken care of. So we can now produce feature films for... A million pounds, what most people would charge seven million pounds because of the different Same people they're trying to do. Um, so because we got there, we we're like, right, we need to finally do it. We wrote a script um, of a film called Patriarch and we got funding for that. Went into casting. We got quite a fair bit of... Con it's not a huge Marvel style budget, but it's not tiny. Um, but then typically after 15 years of here we go, here we go, COVID hit. And then it's like, oh, so, um, so then we kind of had to delay that. It got delayed 12 months, you know, because COVID was going to go away. 12 months go by. We actually could film things, but actually our investors, they're all actually business people. So their businesses are actually struggling. So they need another 12 months to, to do it. And as soon as that happened, uh, we were like, sod that, we've got to make a film. So we then said, what films could we come up with with, a small bit of funding, you know, because somebody was because there's people there still willing to give us some funding um, uh, in, during COVID because some companies were like, you know, doing well. Um, and then, so we wrote and produced a film called Older Gods in the meantime, which is basically it was written in three months. Uh, we'd actually booked the location before the script was finished. It was like a because um, there's like a Lovecraftian style, style some, some, somebody's, somebody's disappeared or died and their friends come to find out what happened to them in this remote cottage. And, um, and then he basically it's a descent into madness as he finds out it was some kind of dark apocalyptic cult. Um, so, but we could all keep it contained. And during COVID, keeping it contained, then we could do it in a really small crew. Um, yeah, you and part of the cast, which we really appreciate. It's really great. Um, and that's actually, um, we've g literally locked the edit yesterday. The edit, they still got that's a bit, of, still got a bit of sound design and visual effects to do. So it should hopefully be 
while we're putting in film festivals over the summer and things like that, and we've got a bunch of independent cinemas already wanting to uh, show it in starting around October time, apparently. Wow. Literally only just found that out last week. I haven't told you yet. Yeah, so, uh, so so it's but that's the so we're trying to work out where to do the premiere of it. So that's all very exciting. And then once that's kind of out of the way, we'll then move into Patreon. So that's a long-winded way of saying then, yeah, we're doing alright. It's quite yeah. quite a lot to um, <laughs> quite a lot quite a lot to unpack unpack in there in there, uh, Dave. I I think it's a really interesting way of going into like why I'm trying to do commercials as well because you know like Alan Parker did loads of commercials and actually funded his. Um, was it Bugsy Malone? He funded actually yeah. through commercials that he'd made. Ridley Scott's the same. Ridley uh, Scott, he, he, he bangs on. Yeah, Ridley Scott, you can't go five seconds without him saying, yeah, I did a thousand right. commercials, so yeah, I know yeah. everything. Well, David Fincher was a commercials guy. Chris yeah, Nolan, yeah. most people don't know, because we do some big commercials for big brands like Jaguar and Argos and uh, DHL and some big, big brands. Um, but you also have to do occasionally the stupid, the stupid. There's any clients watching? Um, yeah. uh, do you know, like the inf- just interviewing people and things like that. And yeah, Chris, yeah, Nol- yeah. Chris Nolan used to do that for a living before. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, making yeah. you would do the like infomercially type stuff as well. Mm. The trick is what that teaches you is you've only got one day to film it. So we were able to film uh, Older Gods in a few weeks because of our sh- our shorthand from doing commercials. Um, because we can co- communicate in a bunch of cavemen grunts and clicks now because we've done so so many of them together. And sometimes when external people come, you know, like Yayan will come as an actor and you'll forget that you actually need to explain what you're doing to some people because we're yeah. so used to just... Um, but they don't... They never want to give you any more budget. They never want to give you any more time, commercial. So you've got to get it all done in a day. And that mentality is what has been able to make us do feature films because... I've known a lot of people who had just always done film or TV and you get them on set and they fall apart under pressure because they've not had, because I'm an artist. How could I possibly do this in more than 17 <laughs> days? You know, and, it, and, and, we, and we'll do it in two. It's, it, it's, commercials are real good. I would not be snot, any filmmakers out there who are snotty about commercials. If you want to get visually good, the only one thing... Uh, commercials doesn't let us do is it doesn't give us experience of um, working with actors. You often have to work with models because you just get the pretty person. Who, mm. um, and I, um, I don't particularly like working with models slash actors. You know, it's just like it's got to be. I actually like actors who are filmmakers. You know, because they often understand the pressures of it. Curious. Yeah, that's it. So, um, so. Uh, so but it's, it's what you're saying is it's it's uh as what i found from commercials and actually from a lot of the stuff that yan and i have, uh, have done with the educational content we're making as well which mm. is you have to make it in a day you have to yeah and it's like you can't be precious and well you you know if you prepare enough you can get so much done in the day and it's like teachers also to be super uh, concise with your storytelling as well, which actually, you know, in short films as well is a very similar thing. You know, you have to be concise with your storytelling. Film, especially if, if you want to be a director, um, for anybody, being a director is just quick decision-making. That's all it is. You need to have to... It's all preparation, obviously. You need to kind of know everybody's job. You don't need to know, like... You need to know when somebody's bullshitting you, essentially. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, that's going to take hours. But everybody, no, it's not. Um... Uh, but you also, it's just literally quick decision-making. You've got seven people asking you a question. You'll have an mm-hmm. actor who's waiting for your time. You've got the makeup person going, do, how, what do you think of this? Where you've got a cinematographer going, what do you think of this lighting? You can't sit around going, um, so you've got to make quick. And commercials is really, really great for that. It actually makes you, because yeah. um, you, you're in trouble if you don't. Because having clients, the other thing as well, because I keep trying to push the, Anytime I do talks to filmmakers or anything like that, it's always trying to make yourself like, treat yourself as a business, run yourself like a, even though you're a one-man band, you're a production company, you know, in terms of how people deal with you. And if you have clients, like we do with our commercial clients, when we came to getting funding for our films, it's the same thing. It's those, our investors then become our clients. They want it done in a certain way. You've got to negotiate with them if you want, you know, final cut, which... Um, often you won't get unless you've got a bit of you know power or a couple of films under your belt already or 
a thousand commercials like we do. So um, that's what kind of gave people, our investors, the... If I came to you going, oh, I need five million quid. I've never made any films before, but look yeah. at this amazing idea. They're going to they're gonna laugh at you. We go, as a production company, we've also made a thousand uh, commercials for people such as. It instantly makes people feel less anxious about giving you money. Where a lot of filmmakers seem to be about, but I've got this brilliant idea. Investors don't care about the idea. They want to know either they're doing it for tax reasons. You know, there's a lot of that in terms of trying to save something. You'll have a lot of investors. You'll be surprised how many rich people will get involved purely so they can take their new girlfriend to the premiere. You'll be surprised <laughs> how many people who, uh, you know, it's it's. But all they want to they want to know. Pound sign, so it's like they get this. Not going to make millions. It's not going to be a, like a mark. But okay, how can I see a return on my investment? And if you don't give them confidence, then they're not going to invest in you. You might have the best idea in the world, and I know one of your questions is what today is bound to be: Why do short films? Mm-hmm. Even if it's not for a huge audience, it's to show investors. So when you want to get your film funded, you've got to show something you do. A script, nobody's going to invest in a script. Yeah. That makes sense. You go for it. Well. Oh, sorry, uh, I was actually um, there's just something interest, really interesting you said within all that. That uh, well, multiple interesting things you said. But <laughs> something I, so there's actually there's one thing that you said there. Was, uh, um, the rest of it was nonsense. <laughs> no, it's just it just um, popped out to me as well. Uh, is um, obviously you're selling uh, yourself and your ideas to these investors, and mm. then you just said it as well about being on set. You're answering all of these different questions from all of these different people. Um, do you think you as a director, um, whether it be on a short film or a commercial, one of the things that you really must have or a skill that you need to develop is actually your powers of persuasion and selling people on your idea or the shot you want or whether it be an entire feature film and everything in terms of your company and trying to get something? Yeah, so you have got you do have to be a good negotiator, but not in terms of money, in terms of leaving a room where everybody's happy. So it's kind of like a good example. I saw something the other day where obviously John Favreau was, um, he started with a couple of short, smaller independent films, wasn't he? Like um, Swingers, made, or Swingers and things like that. Swingers, yeah. And now he's like Marvel and Disney's favorite guy and Star Wars yeah. as well, isn't he? He's doing Mandalorian and all that. But you, you see, I saw interviews about him and they were all saying that he knows, he understands how to talk to the creatives, like the actors, and but he also knows how to talk to the suits. If you can't talk, if you can't talk to the suits, you want to that. It's it's a skill. It's not something you're going to learn like that. You do have to have a bit of confidence. Don't dress like a hobo when you go to a meeting. That is one thing that winds me up. It's, it's um, you can be in your follow-up meetings. Maybe I'm not saying go in a suit, you know, because that'll be weirder. But go dress smart as if you're going to a job interview because these people have got to take you seriously. Uh, and if you come in with a super T-shirt on and it's just the kind of, oh, this, what does this kid want? You know, does that make sense? Even though I'm nearly 40, I will still get, I'm a lot younger than the 60-year-olds that are looking to invest in us. So they still look at me as a young'un, uh, surprisingly. But, but it's kind of, but you know what I mean? In terms of I turn and go, yeah, I've got this idea for a film. It, there is a skill to negotiating it. And the, wi- mm. the, the, the key is what's in it for them. So if you're going to an investor, what's in it for them? It's not the idea of the story. It's not how it's going to change the world. It's, it's not how... Um, it might be for some people. Some might people... Say if your film's got like an environmental story about it or... Um, and then obviously there's companies or people out there that wanting to show that as part of their brand, shall we say? You might, if it's something to do with, um, this is rare, but you might get, you know, people say it's a very personal story about, you know, I don't know why, child abuse. You may get people who say they're really committed to changing the world when it comes to protecting children and things like that. But that's rare, that stuff. Usually it's what's in it for me in terms of financially. If it's not financially, it's just the lifestyle of being a producer. Some guys, if somebody gives you money, they essentially become an associate. That's what an associate producer is. Mm -hmm. It's usually either a middleman that has got you some funding or 
um, they're just giving you some money themselves. They just want, some people just like the credit because that helps them sell themselves a bit better. And um, often, a big thing that what we found and most of our investment comes from are people who, proper investors, don't invest in one thing. They'll invest in 10 things, understanding that one of them will blow up and pay for all 10. Does that make sense? So it's kind 10 of, films or 10 different things? It's 10 different things. So, yeah, things. so you might be, there's a couple of films, a couple of you know, new products, an app, mm. uh, a streaming whatever platform, uh, whatever it is. So the kind of investors are doing it for different reasons. The good thing with film is you can get like a tax rebate and things like that. Um, so, But that's, long story short, is kind of what's in it for them. And that's what most filmmakers don't, because it's all about my personal story and this is me and I'm going to need to make this film because it's like without somebody else giving you money to do it, you ain't making it, you know? So it's, and I'm even talking about when I meet, especially new filmmakers, they go, well, I won't go to pop investors. I'll go to people like the BFI or I'm, I'm Welsh. So there's the film Cymru, there's film Scotland film. There's, um, we're based in Liverpool and there's a film office Liverpool and you think, oh, perfect. That'd be great for us. But all of them are exactly the same in terms of they are, um, businesses essentially that want their money back. Some of them might be non-profit, but they want their money back. So like Liverpool gave us a great answer. So I called them up with this amazing idea and blah, blah, blah. First off, they don't particularly want to work with first-time filmmakers. So I would always say make your own fit. This is not easy to do for people, but make your own film, no matter how low budget it is. As soon as you can say, I've directed one film, you become a lot easier to invest in. Nobody... You mean a feature film, not a Yeah, 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 not shorts. That's one thing I'm going to talk people out of shorts okay. is what, I, what blows my mind is when people spend a load of money on a short. Like they get some funding and they do a short with it. It's like, change the idea up or stretch it out or make a feature film out of it because you can't make money from shorts. Yeah. And I don't want it to sound as if I'm constantly talking about money but if you are, you definitely want to become somebody who makes feature films, you have to make people money. Otherwise, there's no point to it. So I filmed the, phoned the Liverpool Film Office because that just is just to be wary of the public sector, what they call like the, the national institution, like the national, you think, oh, they've got lottery money. They'll help people like me. Um, uh, if you're, if you, if you, uh, if you're, what's the word? If you're obviously from a more diverse background than myself, um, you've got a little bit of advantage these days because they are actively looking for that, which is great. So they want more uh, disabled filmmakers. They want more, obviously, um, filmmakers and different ethnic minorities. Then ones they are actively looking for. I think with the, uh, I think a straight white males have had plenty of help through the years. So I think yeah. there's kind of diff got to go a different route. And then just to, sorry, just jump in there, Dave. So like, just for the listeners, so can you just explain briefly like the difference between like a public funding opportunity versus a private funding opportunity? Right, a pub public is, um, I don't know if you get, if you, there's usually when you, do you know when you see logos at the beginning of films and sometimes they say where they're from, you might see film Northern Ireland, film Scotland, I think. They do, they're usually non-profit, well, they say that. <laughs> Um, but they basically, they have a pot of money that they can provide to filmmakers. But your brain, well, we, because we were, even though we've done a production company for years, we were still new to this. So hopefully this me to black, banging on today will help people with, will stop wasting some time a little bit, is you assume that they will be the ones that take, oh, so, so the BFI, so I think there's Creative England, there's, uh, even Film 4 and stuff like that, even though Film 4 is not really public. But um, they're the ones that just have film pots that is usually paid by the National Lottery or something like that for creative arts in the UK. Or abroad anyway, you go in every country, there's, there's different ones. Um, but the difference is, you think that they would have, they still don't want to help first-time filmmakers because if they're going to give their money to somebody, they want to make sure that uh, it's not just wasted. They need to... Basically, nobody trusts you to make a film. Filmmaking is very hard, especially where we've just learned, um, to actually get a film over the finishing line. So if you're the young lad or woman who's just got a script and you don't know anybody, you haven't got a crew, you haven't got anything, you're, they're going to have to give you a lot of money. Because when we go to them, obviously we go to them just for the funding for actors, locations, sound, 
And that's about it. Most people don't have that luxury, but it took us 15 bloody years to get that luxury. Do you know what, do you know what I mean? Um, and even when even we're based in Liverpool, we were like, we're probably the only guys in Liverpool making a film. So they, they'll love us and we'll make it. In. So we phoned them up and he goes, okay, what have you done before? Uh, well, no, this is our first theme. We've made a thousand commercials. Ah, don't worry about that. Don't worry. Public sector, the, the, these funds don't care how many commercials you've done. They don't care how many, they only care how many feature films have you done. And, and then we, so after we tried to persuade them a little bit, we've we made a thousand commercials, a lot more than most people. Got our own production company. Oh, okay. Uh, and then they go, who's, who's in it? And we're like, well, uh, we haven't cast anybody yet because we obviously need to get the funding to be able to pay for uh, somebody of a decent, what's the word, a recognizable name. Okay, well, we don't let any, we don't work with filmmakers, and if we don't know who's in the film, we're not doing it. I'm like, okay, and then the F- Liverpool Film Office said the brilliant thing to me of, actually, we're doing more TV now, and we don't want we're actually oh. more for helping people outside Liverpool come to Liverpool. And like, okay, brilliant. So it's more for like you know, Peaky Blinders comes and films in Liverpool, any kind of like. Anything that looks Georgian, there's a huge Georgian court in Liverpool. So they were, like Sherlock Holmes was uh, filmed here and loads of films are filmed here because there's lots of good period stuff. So basically he was saying, I know you're based in Liverpool and you, you want to make a film, but we actually want to do TV with companies outside of Liverpool. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> and just bring them to Liverpool, which is fair enough. So um, Can I ask about, so you, um, you said there uh, that, you know, you, when you're asking for funding, you're only asking for certain bits. And that's mm-hmm. because of all of the experience of, with commercials over 15 years. Do you not think then that making short, like making shorts or, yeah, we make commercials, we make branded stuff, we make short films. You actually then get your kind of crew around you that you're happy with. Yeah. That one you thing... like a DP that you love working with. Sound Absolutely. Sound, sound so, so. Filmmaking's a team sport. You can have the best idea in the world and a really good script, but if you haven't got people lined up to already help you, mm. it's, um, again, nobody's interested. You're just a guy who wrote, wrote a script in his bedroom. So they want somebody who, if you can say, I've got this idea, I also have this amazing cinematographer, I also have this great sound person who's all ready to go, will give me a, a deal for, the, the, uh, a big, you know, for a big job. Um, I've also got this composed. If you go like that, you apart from the fact that um, you look more, you know, you just look more professional. They want somebody to be professional mm-hmm. and l- mm-hmm. look after their money. Um, so what short films does is it it helps people get rid of that anxiety. So th- again, when you ask what's the difference between private sector and public sector, public sector are a bit of a pain in the the public. You know, the BFI they do want not first time filmmakers. Uh, so it's people who, if you think about it, often don't need so much help because they've had funding mm-hmm. before. They've also got, already got a friggin' gate open for funding. Um, but private is essentially doing a marketing campaign to investors and business people like Kickstarter. I'm not saying we did Kickstarter, but if you just want to you give people an idea, you work out what they're going to get for it, his rewards and things like that. It's kind of a similar thing. So, but with those people, they will be more open to first-time filmmakers if you can prove you can make it. So short mm. films help you prove you can make a You just say, oh, we just haven't had the budget to make a feature film. So here's our shorts to prove our style, that we can do it, our ideas. Mm. Um, all of this crew that I'm showing that can help us do it, they did the same job in our shorts. So you can look into their, uh, what's the word, their... their use your short films as a portfolio not just for yourself but with the crew mm. that you want to put forward and that does change you know you could like as soon as you get investment they might not be available or anything but you just want to talk about you essentially want to put like a, a business not a business plan but it is kind of like an info pack business plan for your film so this is everything these are all the people that are going to be involved this is all the department heads um, and you can see these on my short films. So that's yeah. where short... And is that the reason why you made then the, the shorts like Wait and Embers for, for that purpose yeah. as well? So uh, with our short... Yeah, if you go on YouTube, you can see we've got a film called Afterlife. If you find Wagyu Films on YouTube, you'll find a short film called Afterlife, a short film called Wait, one called Embers. And, um, and they were all... The good thing is where even though we've made a thousand commercials, it's still completely different to making films. So we had to, we wanted we wanted to do was work with actors more. We wanted to 
Um, even for me, from a director's point of view, I wanted to work with more actors because I can do all the visual fancy nonsense and I can and I can make it all look pretty and all that. But I want to mm-hmm. just make sure that the things that I've written, oh, I can actually make somebody say it well. That's that's that's, that's interesting. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> and then, um, so the the idea is use short films as don't expect because some people think oh they'll be the catalyst to making getting budget for a shitload. It, it's like I'm not saying a good short film will get you millions, but it will, it will help you get that first film. And mm-hmm. and I don't want to. I'm sorry if I keep banging on about money, but it's just the no, no. It's the realities of filmmakers. If you want to make a film, you've got to be able to have a do, do the business side a little bit. But sh- mm-hmm. short films is a huge part of that of proving you can do it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think I, I I kind of love trying to make them as, as well. And it, it, there's an interesting, I don't know if you've read, because um, you run a creative business, there's um, a book called Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, who yeah. runs Pixar. Yeah, so one of my tutors, he sent me a page in it. Uh, well, I've actually read it now. It's, it's such a good book. And there's a bit in it about um, failing, but putting like, putting uh, pads on and a helmet on and like having a bike really low to the ground and failing like that first um and so some some one of the ways i see short films is that like a way one to like to kind of find your voice and what what's the kind of thing you want to make you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um because i don't want to make and i know i don't want to make action stuff now because i never like tried it didn't like it didn't work you know it's not the kind of thing i want to make and you fail like if I'd have tried to make a feature straight away, trying to do something like that, it would have been a huge failure. It would have sucked, and I would have learned a lot, sure, but there would have been, a, been you, the, the fall would have been a, a yeah. lot bigger. You can't <laughs> you can't succeed without failure, because every time you've failed on everything, you always learn something from it. So if you're stood there in your first film and you've never had that lighting problem or that mm. sound problem, where you can go, oh, on a short film we had that we had that problem as well. So. Because the difference is on that short film when there's two people looking at you going, what do we do, mate? On the film, you've got 50-odd people looking at you. Mm. So you've got to be able to go... Um, everything. The short films was just what are the... Pro- they were literally what were the problems we're going to come up with when we were making Patriarch. And it's like, okay, God, we haven't done that yet. Let's, let's. And literally, I was writing scripts based around what we wanted to do. So I've got a short film called Afterlife, which is all very dark. It's in like hallways where it's all lit by like uh, somebody's holding a light. And so we needed to make sure that because in Patriarch, there was a lot of dark corridors with like, um, and then when we were filming it, we realized that it's really hard to get everything completely dark when you're holding a light. It lights up the flipping room. So you don't want to do it all. Um, So it's things like that. So what I would always say is have your big project coming up and you sh- short films, even though it's not funded, or anything, write, you know, write a script. Even if, if you ever write a feature film script, pat yourself on the back. It's really hard to do. Not many people do it. Everybody's working on their screenplay, but nobody's finished bloody one. So it's really hard to do. So, but if you've got, if you've, and that first script as well should be something you could make. If it was just you and you, if you had the crew, Never mind the cash. If you've got actors who could help you out, if your crew, you want that to be your first script. If you've got, if you've got a script which is needs a lot of funding, that is your second or third script. You need to be realistic a little bit. And so, short films is that. It just it, everything that we did in each film, there was a certain aspect of it that was going to be in Patriarch. And actually, when I was writing Older Gods, the the film we just finished. There was aspects of, you know, smaller version of that that's going to be in Patriarch. So you've got to fail to understand because even on, even there was stuff. There was definitely stuff in Older Gods which was similar to what we were going to do in Patriarch. And because it was so bloody hard in Older Gods, and just realised I can't make that work, I've had to change the script to Patriarch. It was only a little thing, but still, otherwise I would have been there on the day with a load of people looking at me, going, "Oh, I don't know," you know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got to make a decision, so you you might not make the right one. So that's what that's what short films are perfect for: is work out what you need to practice on, and then develop a script around that. Stop trying. It's, I, I don't know if that's how how I've always worked. Is rather than trying to write a short film, which is like again my vision and the, the story I've always wanted to tell. That's in my feature film scripts. My short films are all about. Um, I wanted 
a concept of uh, that needs to include lots of dark darkness, lots of hallways. So that was like that's easy to write a short film which is based around somebody wakes up in an abandoned hospital and you know somebody's done stuff to him. Easy, yeah. Yeah, on that day, like so. Has um, have you been making short films, like short narrative films, consistently over the last like fifteen years with the production company, or is that something you've completely put aside until? Patriot? Yeah, and that's something which is a really big um, regret of mine. Is simply put, we always we were terrible for oh our gear's not good enough. You know, like when we started, we, it was good enough to do basic commercials, but not good enough to do a feature film. Um, obviously 15 years ago was kind of the beginning of digital and it wasn't quite there but we obviously could and there's no chance we could afford 35 millimeter stuff so uh, it did the the technology became affordable to us at one point but we still i think there was a horrible part of it where we were too busy with the commercial stuff but it's a huge and i hear it all the time where you always hear filmmakers go just go and make your film and it's annoying because it's not that easy because you need you either need yeah. some funding or you need crew, but it is kind of right. It's make any excuse you can to make a film, and don't worry about your gear. That's the bit that really we waited until. Now this one will be all right. Even when we filmed our first short film, we were still thinking, oh, this is good enough for commercials, but maybe not film. And it was it was years it was years earlier, but I don't know I don't know why it was a weird, weird thing. Our cinematographer Sean was very kind of. I think he was very proud of what things look like. So we don't, I was very, I wanted my first shorts to look as good as any film. But that's nonsense. People understand that your first short is not going to be great. So um, the only difference was that with our first couple of short films were all, all right because they were good quality, shall we say. But um, friggin' phone cameras are really good now. There was a film called Tangerine, which was filmed on an iPhone yeah, and it made it into Sundance. Um all I would say is get good sound. Your camera actually doesn't matter anymore. You can, you, you, people will um, forgive bad imagery. They won't forgive bad sound. So if you're going to pick one or the other, do you know, can I film this? Do I either hire a flipping Ari or something you don't need or, and then have terrible sound or film on my iPhone and get a sound man? Go that direction because everybody will... Um, Good sound, you don't notice good sound, do you know what I mean, until it's crap. As soon as you hear crap sound, you're like, ugh. And whatever the image looks like, you do not care if it's just windy and terrible. Mm. So I would say the good thing now is phones are really catching up. I got a, what's my, it's really, it's, it's weirdly good where um, in one of our it's shorts. Focus, can't you, on some of the new yeah, ones. that's what, um, there is a shot, I wouldn't do, I didn't do a whole film in it, but our shot was filmed in, one of our shorts was filmed in 8K and we didn't have a shot and I filmed it in my kitchen. I changed the light in my kitchen with my phone and it's just like a couple of seconds where you literally couldn't tell the difference uh, because I couldn't be asked with waiting for higher lenses and bring them in and then get Sean over. It was just, boom, it's done. Did a bit of colouring with it in post and it's fine. So don't worry about what gear you've got. Just get out there and film stuff. I, I One of the things um, when looking for DPs for, for shorts and commercials and things is actually like, well, mainly shorts is like, what do they, what can they do? One, what can they do with very limited gear? Can yeah. they still make it look sick? Because if they can, they should be able to, if they're worth their salt, should be able to make something look really good. But also like we, Yai and I were talking about this as well before is, can, can they bring in people and can they get you deals on lights and cameras pretty cheaply? Have they got those kind of There is that, well? but you've only got one shot at that. You can't, you can't, if somebody's helped you out, yeah, true. don't ask them to help you out again. That's it's really out of order. So it's kind of, the only way you can ask again is if you help them on something. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then it becomes a, Favours. what's the word? A, 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 that's fine. So if a cinematographer's helped you, yeah. the, <laughs> the problem is if you're a filmmaker, like I'm a, I'm a director, you need another skill. Nobody needs a director. Yeah, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? You need to get sound or you need to do editing or you need, so, cause I always used to do it with, I'll, I'll, I'll work, you film my thing and I'll edit your thing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Cause you don't need, nobody need most, a lot of people, um, a lot of doubt you know, when making a film, they want to do the cinematography themselves rather than having a cinematographer. If you can do that, going back to your last point where you're saying that like, if a cinematographer worth the salt needs to come in and, and, and make it look good. 
Um, yeah, obviously that is a, they do have a huge responsibility to make it a certain way, but has the director put their own um, preparation into it so they should be able to go to a cinematographer and go, well, this is what I want it to look like. Here's some reference photos is what I do with Sean. I'll do like a lot of the different, even if they're not from films, they'll be from... Um, there's a really good piece of software called Shot Deck. Have you ever heard of Shot yes. Deck? Yes, yeah, yeah. Shot Deck is just like in fine shots, I think, similar to. I'll show Sean and instantly he'll be like, I get you. Um, but if what I'm trying to get through it, he's there's a million lights and they're just to do something simple. I've often found that that's just the, not the right way to do it. My experience, the simplest way of doing it usually is what makes it better. Um, but essentially, it's a partnership with the cinema. You can't just go... Is it red? Just make it red. You know, you, you've got to, why is it red? Here's some reference photos of words. Mm -hmm. This is, you also, because you're editing it in your head, everybody else isn't. So sometimes you've got to go, they will be like, why, why do you want to do that? It's like, okay, so this scene does this. This is then going to lead onto another shot, which, which, et cetera, et cetera. Or what this shot is actually is, it's flashing back to something that happened to the character 10 weeks ago, but we haven't actually filmed that yet. That's later yeah. on in the so it's it's down to the director to get your point across and if you and if you, if the cinematographer's struggling and as you say is he taking too much gear to set it up, it is kind of your job to go actually no let's strip this down I've got a simpler idea again that's the decision making of a even if it's even seeing a problem before the cinematographer turns around and goes this isn't working do you see what I mean there it's is all in the, it's, sorry. But that's what short films are for. That helps yeah, you because yeah. you don't know when that is. So short films, it's all through experience. It's the fact of, ugh, we did this on a couple of short films ago. It was taking this long and it wasn't working then. And I can tell, right, okay, stop that. Right, let's all have a huddle and think of something else. That's what short films mm -hmm. are great for. It's all in the the prep as well, which is also super fun. Like the actual yeah. prep, especially with a cinematographer, like you say, you know, you're making the mood boards from shot deck, and you talk in detail about exactly what you want to look like and how can we make that work on whatever budget. I I storyboard everything as well, and um, I literally do it shot for shot. Like Patriarch, part of our getting our investment was actually paid a storyboard artist, who's our art director now, Andy. Um, to uh, just do the whole film with me, which took about a month or something like that. Of the, wow. um, so, but that obviously helped us get the funding so people can... And what I wanted to do was essentially make an animation of the film, you know, with like voice on it and Animatic, music, yeah. which is just with the storyboards. Um, but I noticed did when I went that, on set... Did, did, you actually, did you actually do that for the investors? Did you make an animatic? I did, we didn't have... We were going to... There was the steps nice. to funding, you know, the, how much effort you got to put in. So we right. realised we got we got rejected for a bunch of stuff. Then we had to... That's when I did the storyboard because people just couldn't see it. That's the other thing is investors and people like that. They can't see an idea. They're not very creative people. Um, they usually need to be shown something. Um, so that's when we did, and then that was going to be the next step. If everybody it was just like, oh, let's just make the film in sort of an animatic format. But um, I am going to do scenes instead, mainly for the visual effects part, so I can just go to the visual effects guys and just go. Okay, so you, so in the end, it wasn't. It, it, you didn't feel like it was totally necessary for the time to put in. Um, what what storyboards are really good for is not really yourself; it's for everybody else. So if you can, if you're really bad at communicating. Uh, exactly what you need, then it's just, I kind of want to do this. Do, do you understand what I mean by that? <laughs> you know, so you literally can show them a visual reference. Um, mm. That's more what it's for. Cause, uh, but the beauty of doing it is no matter how, I could, I could start Patriarch tomorrow with zero prep now because I've done all of that and everything's ready to go and it's just been delayed for 12, another, for not another 12, when was it? A January, it got delayed for another 12 months. So, Christ, that's that's coming that's coming soon. Um, but uh, no, yeah. does that, so when is that when is that gonna? Yeah, just what is the status of of Patriarch now? Do you have a, a plan? The for beauty that? of it is because of the situation we're in, where we have because often you're usually working around crews availability and locations availability. We've got all of our locations worked out, um, and they say as long as it's between October and March. So you're like, oh, okay, because some of them are. One of them's like a an old military uh, museum, which is basically going to be like a military facility, and they're only open in the summer. So in the winter they just close. So 
Um, and obviously our department heads are all that work here so it's down to so it's literally will be when we've fully casted it we we can work out the schedule so ideally it's going to be i'd say january okay all um, right. but it will honestly be depending on the cast's availability rather than because the annoying thing with this is another thing for casting because obviously you want to find the best actors you can but investor is always like who's the recognizable person for it and the the real annoying thing now is Netflix uh, and other stre- the, the streamers have the power now to say, keep January to April open. And agents always want that big Netflix job. Mm. So if we're like, look, we only need them for like two weeks in January. They're like, yeah, we've got to keep four months open in case Netflix get in touch. So that's, uh, that's, that's why. Really frustrating. Yeah. So, um, it's until they book in that big job, they then book the rest of the year around it. So they've got their big job, which is going to pay them for the year, essentially. And then they work out the smaller jobs, which would, even though they'd be paid pretty well on hours, it still would be smaller than a big Netflix film, wouldn't it? So um, the beauty of ours is you get paid pretty well, and it's literally the lead is only needed for three weeks um, on Patreon. So, uh, but that that's a re- it sounds weird, but why have you not got a date? But that's another why we were appealing to investors. So it wasn't like if COVID happened, we can go, no problem, we can delay it. Rather than just, if we would have cancelled it, I think none of them, a lot of them wouldn't have come back and would have felt like getting funding from scratch. But because of the situation we're in of, you know, growing slowly over 15 years, that's one of the, I don't want to keep banging on about, oh, we've got all this, but we did used to work for pittance to, 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 to get to where we are and that's it doing that that's what most people aren't willing to do the working two jobs at the beginning to get to this mm-hmm. point um that does has given us some advantages but the other thing is the other thing with casting as soon as i've got investors saying um what's the word uh we need some big name people you also, the big name people, well, the agents, not oh, dealing with fucking agents, sorry. Um, can I swear in this? Is there any problems with swearing? Oh, yeah. So oh, we're oh, pro swearing here. So fucking pro, agents. <laughs> so, um, so uh, yeah, often agents want to know what have you done before. So short films do obviously help with that if you're going into casting, but it's hard to get past an agent. We've had to get a casting director purely because nobody will listen to us. We have to get. That's the only, another third party, should we say, part of the crew. Casting director's got to get in touch with, um, yeah, because that's where I met you, Yon, wasn't it, through casting director? Um, yeah, Andrew. Andrea, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I was going to say, actually, you took, you, I was just going to give a shout out to your podcast on film funding, because I think that's really like, that's a really great podcast. Will and I listened to that, and like, there's a lot of actionable advice yeah. in that, like, which is the, which is rare. Like, you really give specifics as to what, people can do like you know kind of so i'd really recommend anyone who listens to that to, to seek that yeah, podcast out um, in the show notes. if you get us on spotify and all that it's the worst name in the world but it's called dream to silver screen oh, i love it dream to silver screen <laughs> podcast or maybe if you search for wagyu films podcast you might find it but it's um or if you go to wagyu films instagram it'll be on the link in there yeah i was gonna say just just quickly on the uh, last few questions and then we'll let us all go but um i was gonna say on the so you mentioned like your private funding um, and you talk a lot about like different platforms. Like I believe one of them is film market, but in terms of actually locating these, these, this private funding, these investors, like where I'm not, not to, we're not asking not to ask you to give any names or anything, but where would be a good place for people to look to get these names, kind of... addresses, phone numbers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, it's the same. It's honestly the again when I'm talking about a film being like a you starting a business, you need a business plan. If you start a business, where are your customers coming from? It's the same thing. You've got to look into. So you've got to look into. Um, you've got to uh, find investors. You can actually do targeted ads and things like that to investors, but obviously that's cost you anything. You can find a list of sales agents and people relatively easily. And I'd recommend sending stuff to people through the post, not scripts. People, oh, people fucking hate that. Nobody wants a script through the post. All they want, uh, they don't want films. Or you know, if you already have a film, do not be sending people that, because they, especially when they don't send stuff they didn't ask for. What you can send people is a little info pack. 
Do you know what I mean? Of kind of like, um, we're producing this film, this is what it's about, this is who's in it, this is the style of it, this is uh, details of the schedule production, this is the budget that we've got for it. If you're interested in investing in film, um, these are the benefits to you in, in, of investing these film. Um, and that's that. So it's kind of finding investors. For, you do a lot of networking at film festivals. That does help. You do kind of find, uh, even if your film's not in it, just go to the evenings or the anything that there's any networking at film festivals. That That's really helpful for meeting people. Um, there are a couple of online film markets, like the Film Market Hub. We A couple of people just where you put your film up, bit of details, um, maybe our info pack. Um, and some people can kind of like get in touch and things like that. It's a very long-winded, it's, that's why I'd look at it, start from scratch, is how can you, you're starting a business, where do you find customers? It's the same, it's the same process, you know, you've got to work out your list, how are we going to contact that? We do, we do a lot of email marketing, we do a lot of stuff to try and get people's emails, then if they've proven to invest before, we'll send them again. Um, networking is great for, when you do networking, a really important thing is, because the amount of them I've, I've gone to, and people do it to me as well in terms of like we we don't fund other films so occasionally we will provide some of our crew to other films but they pay us for it um it's like hi i'm a filmmaker but you want my script it, it's it's no 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 you've got to think that um you're essentially selling to the people they know not them so if you ever meet somebody who's a distributor or anything like that don't expect to get anything from them because you stop being the salesman then. Does that, does that make sense in terms of, people don't go to a networking thing to be sold to. They go to them to like, to be pitched. They don't want to be pitched to. They want to meet people that some, they're going to get something from them. So when you do any networking, make it about, well, I'm actually a filmmaker who helps provide ideas to people who are looking for ide- extra ideas, but are not sure where to find f- filmmakers or find crew. That sounds like somebody more I would like to start a relationship with than, mm. well, I've got this idea for a script and I'm trying to get it funded. Do you see the difference? Do, does that make sense? It's 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 a lot of that. Yeah, it's, I think so. It's, it's also like I imagine it just totally changes the tone of the conversation. As yeah. Well, oh, like, it, you can that see. Kind of it's funny because you can always tell the new guys at these things because as soon as you hear somebody going, "Oh, it's this new idea," and it's about how the work. You can just hear the room audibly go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not what right. they were. If it's an evening thing, they've all gone for a drink. If it's a day thing, there might, and there might be like a speed dating aspect to it, which there is. It's like, I've got a couple, I'm going to talk to him, but I can't stay all day talking to him. But I've got to make sure I'm polite and he's got my contact details. Have you never uh, give him a business card or something? Business cards are always a really good tip because when you go to these things, you can hand them out. Rather than doing the big pitch, send them to a website which does yeah. the pitch for you. Um, but anytime you do any network with anybody or you meet any of the industry professionals, don't pitch to them. It's, the other thing as well is do not send people scripts without them asking for them. It's more like contact them and say who you are. I've got this idea. Would you mm. be interested in the script? Mm. If you say no, it's infuriating and you can also avoid legal problems because somebody sent us a script once um, and we just went, oh, we don't accept them. Please don't send us, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then on IMDb, we put up a film that we were in development of, and the story was similar to the script that he'd sent over. So we had to essentially scrap that idea or like change it a lot because of some idiot emailed us something and it would have been legal problems because it looked like, oh, you were, even though that automatically got deleted. Does that make sense? So yeah, you yeah, do yeah. not want to do that. If some, if you send somebody a script and they're in the middle of writing a script which is actually similar to yours, that will piss them off because then they realize that they've got to come have a conversation with you then and that is not good. You don't want to do that. Don't send people yeah. shit that they didn't ask for. <laughs> Get their okay, permission first. And then you, which is a good yeah, thing then because yeah. you can work out which ones are actually interested and where to mm-hmm. spend where to spend more of your time. I guess as well, it's a relationship, building a relationship as well, not just like, here's my script, read it, yeah, fund yeah. me. It's more like, this is what we're doing. We've been doing this for 15 years and then, you know, we want to keep making things. That's you know, it. One years, good thing, 
one good thing that the commercials slash marketing stuff has helped through the years is there's a concept called the rule of sevens. So nobody does anything or remembers your name until they've kind of heard from you about seven times. So a good example of this is um, we had filmmakers trying to come here for a job. So one person sent me an email going, to whom it may concern, so they hadn't spent 10 seconds on our website looking in somebody's name. Um, I've got a first in degree in filmmaking, which instantly they told me they have zero experience. Uh, and then they just banged on about something which is no benefit to us. And then they never bothered to follow up. So I just ignored mm. them. And if, then there was this other guy who, I wish there was more of these, who basically just emails getting in touch going, I've just produced a, real, uh, uh, a short film. I've re- watched a lot of your films, such as, and names them. So it's not mm. just copied and pasted to every single production company knows. I, I really respect you guys. I'd love to have your, your opinion on it. And I'd be sent that. And I've, what I've been working on is boring. So like, oh, go on then. It's like he, he's told me it's only two minutes long, so I can spare two minutes. Then I spend an hour giving him feedback, do you know what I mean, on, on uh-huh. an email. Um, and then you send it to him. And then kind of like later on, he would connect with me on Instagram or something and then go, hey, just let you know I'm just doing this. And I've just started. Let me know what you think. And I'd give him a little... Co- so that rule of seven, seven times later when we were actually ready to hire somebody who was the first person I was thinking of where I'd actually contacted him and he went, oh, sorry, I've been offered another job because he'd clearly been doing it with other people and mm. he did it doing it in a genius way rather than that guy at the beginning going, to whom am I concerned? I want a job, I got a degree. Um, do, do you know what I mean? And it's the same yeah. thing with investors and things like, or sales agents or people who are going to give you money. It's the kind of, as you just said, Will, we just start a relationship with them which is beneficial to more to them than it is to you. So okay. they can then, reg- you can just regularly send, just want some feedback, what do you think? Oh yeah, by the way, I'm doing this. If, if I'm shooting near you, you're welcome to come on the set if you actually want to come see what we They'll always say no, but what you're doing is saying things to remind them that you're there in a way which is not annoying <laughs> do, do you know what yeah, i mean yeah, rather than yeah. just i've got this idea let me get back to me did you i'm look, still looking for funding nobody talks to that guy that's that, does that make sense yeah well it's just then you then all you're doing is is pitching you're not actually like then valuing them as yeah. a person yeah. like that guy valued you because he wanted the feedback and liked what you guys are doing yeah. what's like, what's in it for them that's yeah, what you gotta yeah, think yeah. of if you don't mm-hmm. Nobody cares what you do, <laughs> do, you know? And you've got to do the, fo- any good salesperson will tell you that sales is in the, like the follow-up. So it's kind of, mm. that's the same thing. With, it's relationships are built down the line. And you also got to think of maybe people aren't quite ready to invest in things then. They're waiting until the new financial year until they get a new budget. They're waiting until a fi- another film's finished and released before they move on to another one. So if you're contacting them and they're not quite ready to do anything and you just, oh, you don't follow up on them, you're missing a huge opportunity. Mm. Great advice. Yeah. Great advice. Uh, well, I think maybe it's a good time to start wrapping things up because you don't want to take up too much of your time. But um, Will, do you have any final questions or are you good to, uh, should, we, should we ask our, million, our final questions? I've got questions? a million questions. I've got a... We'll do two more. Got... Give me, let's do two more if we've got time. And then two that's more, the... okay. My, okay, mine's completely uh, something that would have been, I should have asked way back, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, you said you storyboarded all of Patriarch, uh, the whole thing. Uh, so I've always, um, I've always got questions about this because I, I've, I've, I've sometimes storyboarded, thrown them away, storyboarded, stuck too closely to them, and then sometimes had a nice mix where I've storyboarded and, you know, stuck to it a little bit, but then been open to things. I was wondering about, your process in terms of blocking with the actors and how that affects your storyboards on the day do you stick rigidly to your storyboards or you know something happens on set with the blocking that like allows you to oh i'll be a bit more flexible here and you know i'd always do what i had in my head no i'd always do storyboards definitely make the day go quicker because there's less explaining. If so, if you've got a really tight deadline and you haven't got much time, you've got to do a million setups in one day, you need to do storyboards. Mm. What I find I do, or what we do as a team, is the storyboard is the setup. So we do, right, this is, we do, So as soon as we've set up that shot, then do we realize if it works or not. Then it might need some movement, then you might need to do more different. There might be, 
So it's more just like it's everybody that's the setup, and then after that we change it. You, I know I know you hear filmmakers, it drives me crazy when they're like, I don't like to do storyboards, I like to improvise in the day and feel, oh, but then you're like, yeah, but you've because you've got 100 million quid to yeah. burn and do another day's filming at that location. If you've got that one day, you can't do that. So I'm, I'm also a terrible sketcher, I can't, so I, but I'm good on Photoshop, so I tend to do storyboards on Photoshop okay. uh, to show people. Pay, obviously, Paycheck are paid artists, but on short films and that, I'll just do one for... You know, like using shot deck, using images I find. Um, but what I tend to find is uh, is storyboards would be the, the setup. Do you see what I mean? Often when you get on set, the other thing you'll notice is that you've done too many shots. You know, like yeah. you're just working right. out coverage. And a real great... I recommend listening to Roger Deakins' podcast. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, that's but great if you Roger Deakins, baby. Deakins. So Deakins! Um, so... <laughs> uh, uh, but there was a little bit, and seriously, I've, took, I've taken that advice a lot, where he says on Sicario, which is an amazing film, um, Denis Villeneuve, the first shot was going to be a wide shot through a window of a car. So all these cars turn up. Two, I think it's Emily Blunt and Josh Brolin come out, have an argument, uh, and then go into this HQ that thing. So Denis Villeneuve was watching that, and he kind of, and it got great, got in like two takes. And then Roger Deakins was like, okay, so we go in for the, close-ups he was like no <laughs> i think we, that was it you got it and i you definitely can feel that is if you yeah. get too much coverage uh everybody on the set starts getting pissed off going why is he getting yeah. this so um get we always have a wide shot of the entire scene in one take you will need that in editing but do you need to get a million close-ups? Do you need to get that arty shot? You'll notice that the arty shot in storyboards always gets dropped in the on the shoot in the day. Because <laughs> uh, cause it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, a big part of, like, Yain's in Older Gods, there's, like, a scene which is just him and another actor, uh, Rory, um, which is all a big emotional scene. It's, like, at the end where they haven't seen each other for ages. Um and I wanted like this really wide shot where the the sunbeam you know was was coming through and um, and I was going to have close ups behind but literally we just did them over the shoulder twice because it was in both of their eyes because because it's basically because the emotion ah, cool. was in it because it wasn't a big what's the word mm. bursts of emotion or anything it was just really glad to see each other so it was all in their eyes as they were kind of swelling up and feeling it. so we didn't need, so once we got those two shots I got the wide shot but I haven't used it. It's literally those two just look over their shoulders. That's all they needed. And then you just like, what you realize is important is the two actors and what they're saying, not the pretty Dutch angle I can get from low. It doesn't matter. Audiences don't give a shit. And if anything, you're taking the audience out of the moment by, mm. I want to see the guy's eyes to see how he's feeling rather than, are you doing it yeah. just to do a pretty... Anybody could do a pretty shot. They can't do a good emotional, heartfelt no. or scary or thrilling scene and that's usually you come out of that when you've cut too much you should cut yeah. as little as possible and a big piece of advice is trying each shot that you've got try and do the whole scene i used to do think it was easier to do like a little bit of the scene on this shot and then a little bit of the scene on that shot you'll regret it that you'll want one long take in editing that's always a big thing and this is the moment i had an electricity gun sorry about that guys He's had a nightmare with his headphones <laughs> and the electricity cut. God. Um, okay, just as a quick uh, quick sign off, I've got a million questions for you, but um, I could, I'll go on forever. Uh, the one thing we haven't asked you yet is what is your favourite short film or a short film that you've seen recently that has been like, boom, amazing? A short film I saw years ago that really made me, when I was in uni, so it's about 20 years old now, was, have you ever seen something called Batman Dead End? No. I'm writing that down though. So it was, it was, it was like the beginning of YouTube, and it was like one of the first short films I ever saw. It was like around the time when YouTube was purely just, but it's Batman, and it's really well done, and it's like Batman and the Joker on. It sound, this is going to sound ridiculous, but just watch it, and it's, it's Batman basically on the top of a roof, and he's with the Joker fighting off the Joker, and then a predator turns up, and then a couple of xenomorphs turn up. It sounds ridiculous, but it's amazing. Batman, yeah, Batman Dead End. It should definitely Batman be on YouTube. Batman Dead Ends. Okay, yeah. so all the listeners, only for the epicness Batman of... Dead Ends on YouTube. <laughs> 
Awesome. Okay, that was that was a random one. <laughs> well, there's a bunch of other ones. I watched a, a short film recently called SCP Overlord, which was quite cool. It was like, a, I don't know if you heard of SCP, you know, the stories of SCP Foundations, just loads of weird horror stories. Okay. And somebody made a really cool... It's kind, of, it's kind of like Black Hawk Down, but they go and kill... I don't know. There's like it's like a horror. They go into a haunted house. It's it's, it's really kind of cool, and uh, yeah. that was really interesting. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tricky one because so good. many. Two, two are good. Two okay. two's good. That's a good amount of that's a good yeah. amount of uh, favorite short films. <laughs> um, but honestly, honestly, Dave, uh, thank you so much for. Ch- I'm going to sign it off for both Jan and I now. No so. problem. <laughs> uh, but honestly, Dave, thanks so much for for chatting with us and taking the time to spread your wisdom um, no and uh yeah well um it's honestly been so great to talk to you dave um and thank you for sharing all your wisdom on patriarch older gods short filmmaking and commercials no problem guys it's been fun i'm also signing off for yian as he's had an electricity cut so there you go <laughs> <laughs>